This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome back to the North Stars Pioneer Podcast. This is episode number three and I am Alex Weldon. And I'm Erica Robertson. And today we're excited to have Mike Gronsky join us. Uh, Mike is, is a pioneer field agronomist in central Wisconsin, and he's here to give us some planting progress update in, in his neck of the woods and just, just to discuss some things to, to be on the lookout as, uh, as, as crops emerge and begin to take off. Yes, but before we get to that, we're just going to provide a quick GDU update now that the majority of the district has hit the 2021 planting season running um, and some crops are maybe starting to emerge. So this is something we're going to be doing each week. We um, release a podcast and the data that we reference is going to be coming directly from the Pioneer GDU calculator online. So super easy to get to. So for our first update, we're just going to base these numbers off of April 26th planting date in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin area. So that's a fairly central part of the district. Um, So since that date, we've accumulated 43 GDUs. Um, and we're expected to gain about 15 more this week as we um, have kind of moderate temperatures predicted in the forecast. So since it takes about 120 GDUs for corn to germinate and about 90 for soybeans, it might be a little bit yet before this crop begins to pop out of the ground, but it will be here before we know it. Thanks, Erica. Awesome update on our GDUs. So with that, we are going to welcome Mike. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Erica, for having me this week. So, Mike, do you want to share us um, share with our listeners your your role and, and background? Sure. So, um, I'm actually working on my fifth year with Pioneer. Um, my entire career with Pioneer, I've been a field agronomist. Um, and uh, prior to that, I worked retail agronomy um, locally here. I, I come out of the Marshfield area, and I did retail agronomy for eight years. And I had a wide variety of roles that I covered in that time. Um, I did crop scouting. I did nutrient management planning. I did fertilizer recommendations, chemistry recommendations, seed placement recommendations, also had a a big focus on the day-to-day operations when I did that, um, along with doing all of our variable rate maps across the locations where I had worked. So uh, kind of a a wide background of items that I I did when I worked retail, and I I feel like it was a good experience as it it brought me to Pioneer here just to to have that real hands-on real world knowledge and, and seeing how production aid goes really fast in the spring, especially as we continue to improve equipment and, and cover more acres in a shorter period of time every year. Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Um, so kind of diving right into the heart of the kind of planting progress update, could you just discuss, you know, planting progress in your area so far? Yes. I mean, we've, we've made more progress than what we'd expect on a normal year. I mean, corn, I would say we're somewhere in that that 10 to 15 percent range for our entire territory. So my territory runs from basically as you head north, you hit trees and run out of farmland, and as you go south, I get into the central sands. To the west, we will uh, will end at the Clark County line, and then to the east, we'll butt up to the Shawano County line, basically. So that's kind of our territory, the territory that I cover in a nutshell. And like I said, about 15 percent on corn, but soybeans has been a thing that's really been moving here. I mean, I would say we're probably all of 25, maybe even 30% planted on soybeans. Um, you know, as we got going here last week, you know, everyone was kind of questioning the soil temperatures initially out of the gate. And, uh, you know, we've learned the last few years is that we can have, we can 
have good soybean stand even with early planting, especially with the assistance of seed treatment and good good seed placement and, and just due diligence that way. So, I mean, we've a lot of growers embraced that and looked at it. So I wasn't quite sure on corn, but, but got moving on beans. And I, I can think of a number of growers that are already done with beans. And, I mean, honestly, I can think of a few other growers I chatted with over the weekend as we were planting pots that are actually done with soybeans and we're, we're hoping to be done with corn before this rain came through here last night. So uh, it's been... We've been moving well. I think things will really ramp up here. I mean, as I speak right now, we, we haven't, we've received about 6,500 inch of rain and it's starting to taper off in my neighborhood. And as dry as we were going into this, I feel like, you know, the lighter ground, I think some of that will probably be moving already again on Tuesday here. And, and I think some of the heavier ground, you know, maybe we'll wait a couple days, but uh, with a little sun, little breeze, we should be moving full steam ahead. And, and the 10 day forecast looks phenomenal after today. It looks like we got about nine, nine, maybe even 10 days of dry. So I, I think things are going to get pretty crazy pretty quick here. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what not a perfect time for some rain, Mike. It sounds like your area is, has uh, got a good start and to activate some of those pre's, especially with, you know, with a, enough soybean acres in the ground to, uh, you know, that rain was definitely needed and, and uh, we'll uh, dry it up, dry it up and keep moving here. So as you know, as planting has, has got off to a good start with soil temperatures across your area, you know, you talked about, you get, you're in the central sands and, you, and then to the West with some heavy clays, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about soil temperatures, um, where it's been and just with seed to soil contact, you know, um, as, as growers continue to spend some more money to, to invest on their planters and um, walk us through some of that for our listeners, Mike. Sure. So, I mean, as, as we got started planting last week, we were definitely on the cool side. It was not uncommon, especially in the morning, you put a thermometer in the ground at that two-inch mark. It was not uncommon to see soil. You know, it was kind of in that, that upper 40s or, or, or give or take a little bit, and that would have been basically pretty broad across the area. As the week progressed and, and we warmed up, we watched a lot of those soil temperatures ratchet up. Um, we're seeing the majority of those temperatures as we kind of, and I, you know, forgive me, I, over the weekend it was warm. I never even put one in the ground as I was putting plots in. But, you know, as we got to the latter part of last week, um, you know, we were well into the 50s. Conditions were good, um, especially as you look at it as we were, you know, the majority of stuff that I dug was targeted in that one and three quarter to two inch mark. And as you dug, uh, soil moisture conditions were just ideal. Ground was working well. Um, from that standpoint. So, I mean, even with this little bit of rain, um, it's, it's, it's pretty mild out there right now. Um, even with a cooler week ahead, I don't expect these big variations. I know that's always a concern, you know, and we're always worried about that, that first drink of water being a cold drink of water, especially with corn. And, and, and by, when I refer to that being cold, you know, being under 50 degrees and, and running that potential for inhibition of cold chill. And as I look at how dry that, how dry that soil was to start and the fact that, uh, uh, this rain itself is still pretty mild out there today as it's actually raining right now and it rained overnight. I'm, I'm not overly concerned. I think uh, as we go forward this week, I think we'll be in a pretty good spot. I really don't view that as a large challenge either um, as of today. So pretty pretty happy about that. As far as seed to soil contact, I guess one comment I'd make, I've been digging behind a lot of planters this last week and um, you know a lot of folks invested in whether it was new planters, new closing wheels, new you know, or other combinations on their planters. Um, you know, and it, it, in, in a lot of that was due to, you know, we've, we have a pretty good egg economy going right now. Um, commodities are high. Milk, milk is in a pretty reasonable spot. Um, but take some time to get behind that planter and do a little digging. And, and really what I would encourage is, you know, get yourself a seed depth gauge if you don't have one and, and get out there. And initially what I'd be looking for is obviously, 
you know, dig not only to check your depth, but look at that seed to soil contact. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if you dig, and I would recommend is basically digging perpendicular to the furrow itself. And, and if you're digging and you're seeing air pockets in that furrow, or especially around the seed, you're going to want to make some adjustments, you know, look at making some adjustments to your closing wheels and, and going forward with that. So please, please take a little time. Um, you know, new technology is a great thing, but we still have to make sure we have everything in the, in the position that it needs to be in. So. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great tips, Mike. Thank you for sharing that. And kind of following up on that conversation, I know it up until the last day or two for in your geography, it's been relatively dry. What has been your general um, guidelines for planting depth for both corn and beans? So on the corn front, I've, I've been promoting two inch depth. Um, you know, even I know sometimes we get a little skittish as we get into the clay soils, you know, we run into that challenge of, you know, if, if we bury it that deep, you know, what happens if we get wet and then we get warm and we run into crusting? I mean, that's a very common issue that we see, especially in the western part of my territory. But, I mean, as I looked at how soil conditions were working, we were exceptionally dry. Um, you know, it seemed like the ground itself, you know, had a nice, the, the soil was, was broke up well. You know, you, you, nothing looked like it was just a sheet of glass when we were done planting it. Um, you know, I've really been encouraging that two-inch because it just seemed like that's where we were finding ideal ideal moisture at this point as we were planting. And, and part of that comment too, like even as I looked at the, the you know, like on our clay soils and, and, and being at that two inch mark versus say like an inch and a half or inch and three quarters, um, the thing that, the comment that I would like to say is that it was um, essentially, we didn't look at the forecast. It wasn't a heavy rain that was predicted and uh, that held true. And in the same breath, we're gonna have pretty mild temperatures following this rain. So the odds of creating this crusting layer are pretty slim in my opinion. You know, we're going to have a week of some 50s, maybe 60s here. So, you know, realistically, we're still going to accumulate a handful of GDUs. We shouldn't bake the top of that soil. So, I mean, I, I really promote a two-inch depth on the corn. Soybeans, one inch is, is where we want to be. You know, I've done some, some depth studies the last couple of years on soybeans and corn both. And, and corn can vary a little bit, uh, you know, from that two to two and a half, it seems. Um, I, I'm still more partial to two. Um, but on soybeans, one inch really seems to be the mark from just some of the work I've done locally and, and just what I what I would like to see in general. So um, that's pretty easy to do with a lot of the, the newer planters that we're running. Um, drills can be a bit of a challenge. I would encourage growers to, to always dig and, and just remember that with a grain drill, you know, you're not, especially some of our older drills, at the end of the day, if you don't see a couple beans on top of the soil surface, there's a good chance you're burying them too deep and you might want to get behind that drill and do a little bit of digging. You know, that can be a little bit more of a challenge. And, and, and usually that too, I mean, one way to, to fix that issue after the fact is you can run that ruler behind the drill and, and press in those last few beans that didn't get planted as deep. Usually they'll work out for you in the long term. Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing those tips and general guidelines for us. Sure. So Mike is, uh, um, we continue to, to plant here, uh, weed management, um, you know, with the, with the nice weathers and, and now this rain that we've had, you know, uh, weeds are also going to grow. So do you have any tips for our, our, our growers, uh, for weed management here? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, my big thing is start clean, stay clean. Um, you know, whether it's corn or soybeans, you know, our, our objective needs to be getting that pre-emergent herbicide on, you know, prior prior to weeds becoming an issue. And if, if you don't have a weed that's actively growing, you don't have a weed that can actively take over your field. Um, comment I would make though is, you know, in, in my geography, soybean priests have not been as popular in the past as they are today as we continue to see 
Um, we're seeing more water hemp, obviously, which is glyphosate resistant. Um, in addition to that, you know, we've ran into some ragweed that we haven't confirmed resistance on, but it was certainly slow to die. So it's probably the next thing, you know, Ryan Bates, my counterpart to the West, talks about the giant ragweed issues in his territory, and I was like, ah, that'll never happen. It's like, it'll get, you know, it'll be a while. It's like, yeah, it's starting to, to, to creep in a little more every year that way, too. Um, one thing I would say with the soybean prees is know your pre, know when it needs to be applied. You know, you look at the majority of our corn pre herbicides, a lot of them we can make these applications even as the crop is emerging. There's, some, there's a handful that you can't, but the majority you can make that application as the crop is just emerging. Soybeans, now that's, that's completely different. The majority of the pre's that we're going to be applying, especially some of our comic, common ones like Sonics, your 31st, you know, we got multiple modes of action. These products need to be put on before that crop makes emergence. Um, so know your product. And the other comment I'd make is that have a plan B. Um, so at the end of the day, if, 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 if something doesn't work out and all of a sudden, you know, we start accumulating a lot of GDUs. And, and the good thing is, is like we've slowed down a little bit on the GDU accumulation. So I feel like our window of opportunity is going to be good this week here for folks that maybe need to get some pre on that didn't get that done before this rain. Um, but just be cognizant of, of what you're doing there and know your product. And if, you, if that crop is close to emergence, um, you know, you may want to change gears and look at a different, different pre-emergent herbicide. And the other comment that I'd make too is using these soybean pre's is be very well aware of your seed to soil contact with soybeans. You want to make sure that that seed is buried completely and that it's not a scenario where, you know, we have, you know, open furrows, that sort of scenario, because you can lean out a soybean population relatively quick with uh, the wrong pre's, especially in that scenario. Absolutely. No, thank you for, for sharing that. That's something we're all going to have to be on the lookout for these next few weeks, but those are great tips. Um, lastly, to kind of wrap it up, Mike, I know a couple of weeks ago, we temperatures dipped down maybe a little bit below freezing in certain parts of the, of the district. Could you provide us with just a general alfalfa update and how, and how things are looking out there? Absolutely, Erica. So, I mean, alfalfa itself, I mean, it was, you know, we were off to a great start. Probably some of the best looking alfalfa in that early April timeframe that I've seen in years. Um, and then we, we hit some cool nights and we hit some nights where we were in the teens. And everyone was pretty concerned with, with where we were at and, and how things were progressing. And, and I covered, kind of did some follow-ups last week, um, kind of north to south in the area, looking at alfalfa. And really, for the most part, I feel like we're on the right side of the table here. Um, I was as far north as, as that Sheldon area, which is getting, getting to the northern end of my territory. And, I mean, as I was looking at this alfalfa, I mean, the majority of it seems to have come back to life. You know, when, when we had those cool nights, uh, as you drove around the next day, you could tell um, where the alfalfa fields were, or even like a, a better comment I'd make is like if you had an alfalfa grass or alfalfa clover mix, you could you could tell from the road at 55 miles an hour where the alfalfa was because it completely lost its color. Almost looked like somebody hit it with Roundup. And what I've been seeing is the color's been coming back to these plants. Um, the growth seems to be continuing forward. Um, there's still, in addition to the fact that the stems that were had already emerged from the crown. Um, still seem to be very growing very actively. There are still new, new buds and new stems coming from the crowns as well. Um, really, about the only one I looked at, I looked at a handful of fields that just uh, had been in a tough spot prior to it. A um, lot of, you know, wetter fields, a um, lot of crown rot, and, you know, a couple of those I, I don't, wasn't quite as optimistic about. I hadn't, I mean, they were still alive when I looked at them. But when I looked at what I saw for growth and development versus some of the others, I, I certainly mentioned to the growers that it'd be worth following up and, 
and taking a peek at them here once we add a little more heat under our belt just so we can, I mean, it's early enough where we're, if we need to rotate a field, we can do that very easily versus waiting until we're, we've got the crop and it's like, oh, we got to wipe out 100 acres. Hey, well, how are we going to do that now? So, um, but for the most part, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I would just keep an eye on things. Um, you know, the only ones that, the other ones I just keep an eye on is anything that was cut really late, you know, and I shouldn't even say really late, but more of that mid to late September time frame. Um, but even as I looked at those last week, the majority of them seem to be coming out of it well. But, uh, you know, it's a situation I think we'll monitor lightly, but for the most part, I feel like we're out of the woods. Awesome. Perfect. Good to hear. Thank you for that update. All right. So with that, um, any closing remarks, Mike, anything else that we should be looking out on the lookout for as we head into the growing season here? Oh, you know, I mean, really, as, as we go forward, I'd say, you know, just the biggest thing is safety first. I mean, we're, we're all busy. I mean, I, I look at how much faster agriculture moves today versus, you know, when I got started in this industry 12 years ago, you know, take that extra second to, uh, to know your surroundings, know what's going on around you, you know, be aware of, be aware of those things. And, and, and first and foremost, be safe and, and, you know, make sure we're making that return trip home to our families at the end of the day. And, you know, and, and the last thing is just, you know, continue to be cognizant of our, our seed seed to soil contact and our seabed prep um, as we continue to plant. Um, we're still plenty early. If you look at a calendar for the majority of our territory, um, you know, we're still very much in a window here where we have the opportunity to get the most yield potential. So, you know, if it, if it takes an extra half a day to dry something out, we have a good forecast on the horizon, you know, do, do right by the crop and give it the most opportunities to succeed and be prosperous for 2021. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, I know you guys in the Central Sands uh, partner with Swiderski and do a, a, a awesome plot over there west of Marshfield. Do you guys have a date for that set at the moment? Yeah, so uh, great question, Alex. So we, uh, you know, normally we had done that um, between that Stratford and Mosley area. We've done it the last three seasons. And uh, basically what we're doing, so Swiderski Equipment's a uh, New Holland Agco dealership that covers the majority of my territory. And obviously having the Agco front, uh, they are privy to pre precision planning and, and some of their newest technologies. So really the objective is, is to, you know, get our hands on some of this newest technology and, and be able to evaluate stands at emergence and then obviously later on in the season and, and then, you know, pull in that final aspect of yield potential. Um, so we've done it in the same location for three years. We're mixing up a little bit this year. We're doing, going with a little smaller location size, uh, but we're actually going to do a couple different ones this year. We're going to do a smaller version out by Thorpe on some some heavier soils, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. And then we're also going to do one over by the in the Wapaka region, and that one we're actually going to be doing some no-till with. So I'm pretty excited to, you know, see some some varying soil conditions and, and what some of these technologies can add on for us in terms of bushels and, and most importantly, consistent emergence. Awesome. Excellent. So uh, with that, how can folks get a hold of you, Mike? And there's lots of different ways you can get a hold of me. Uh, if you have questions, I, I, I like to text. I like to, you know, phone calls, fine too. So I can be reached on my cellular telephone, 715 650 I Email is fine too, com. Um, those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, with that, Mike, we appreciate you being here today. Thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in to the North Stars Pioneer Podcast. Thanks for being here, Mike. Um, we will see you again next week as we bring in Mike Shala to discuss some pre-merge and post-emerge herbicides to make sure we stay ahead of the persistent weeds this growing season. Reminder to rate and review the podcast and tell us what you want to hear.
Be sure to share it with a farmer friend and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pioneer Granary Podcast, and whatever your favorite podcast app is, you'll probably find us there. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.